Father, I give you praise. I give you glory. I give you honor, Father God. I thank you for another opportunity to share a word from you. Through the work of your Holy Spirit, oh God, I pray that it blesses us and changes us in some way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today I'll be speaking to you on the topic, It Will Get Better. How many times in our, our lives have we assured um, other people, or have other people assured us that things will get better? Usually, eventually, they do. Maybe not better in the ways that we want or expect, but better nonetheless. It has to get better, right? This is what we tell ourselves. Sometimes we even think it can't get any worse, so it has to get better. One thing I find, however, is nothing gets better on its own. For things to get better, something has to change. Perspectives, habits, mindsets, a way of doing things, attitudes, whatever it is, something, something has to change. At the end of last year, I began to prepare for the new year. I thought, as I'm sure many of you thought, wow, what a year it's been. It's almost, it almost made me leery to put pen to paper and writing my goals and plans for the coming year. As I thought about and pondered the new year, God gave me scripture to stand on. And the first was 2 Corinthians 9 and 8, in which Paul tells the Corinthians, Corinthian believers to trust that God can provide everything they need. He tells them, don't worry about food, drink, clothing, or safety, because God loves to take care of his children. I said, oh, amen, amen, because we love to know and be assured that God loves us and he wants to take care of us. Amen, God. Then he led me to Amos, and part of what he's showing me is what I'm sharing with you today. So y'all know the book of Amos, right? And to be honest, the book of Amos is not the best way to start the new year. It's eight, and you might as well say nine chapters of Amos preaching judgment and Amos having visions of judgment, and it ain't, ain't all pretty. The prophet Amos lived among a group of shepherds in a town approximately 10 miles south of Jerusalem. He pretty much makes it clear in his writings that he didn't come from a family of prophets, nor did he even consider himself one. Rather, he was a grower of sycamore figs as well as a shepherd. And Amos's connection to the simple life of the people made its way into the center of his prophecy. He showed a heart for the oppressed and the voiceless people in the world. But by the time we get to chapter 9, I feel like not only God, but Amos himself is somewhat fed up. While most of the prophets somewhat scattered redemption and restoration in their prophecies against Israel and Judah, Amos devoted only the final five verses of his prophecy for such consolation. Prior to that, God's word through Amos was directed against the privileged people of Israel, a people who had no love for their neighbor, who took advantage of others, and who only looked out for their own concerns. 
people of Israel were in the north enjoying an almost unparalleled time of success, God decided to call a quiet shepherd and farmer to travel from his home in the left in the south and carry a message of judgment to the Israelites. The people that uh, used Amos' status as a foreigner as an excuse to ignore his message of judgment for a multitude of sins. While their outer lives gleamed with the rays of success, their inner lives sank into a pit of moral decay. Rather than seeking out opportunities to do justice, to love, to show mercy, and to walk humbly, they embraced their arrogance, their idolatry, their self-righteousness, and materialism. Amos communicated God's utter disdain for the hypocritical lives of his people throughout many of the uh, eight chapters. And in chapter 5, 21 and 24, he makes it clear. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and games, grain offerings, I would not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your song. I will not listen to the music of your heart. But let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. So he makes it quite clear. And those are strong words. So it should have been uh, obvious to these people that God wasn't pleased with what they were doing. And so here we are midway through chapter 9, and nothing about God's people has changed, but Amos concludes his prophecy with a brief glimpse of restoration and a promise of hope, a light at the end of the tunnel. More than almost any other book of scripture, the book of Amos holds God's people, God's people, accountable for their ill treatment of others. It repeatedly points out the failure of the people to fully embrace God's idea of justice. He's holding them accountable for selling off needy people for good. He's holding them accountable for taking advantage of the helpless. He's holding them accountable for oppressing the poor. He's holding them accountable for immoral behavior. But they seem to be drunk on their own economic success and intent on strengthening their financial position. The people had lost the concept of caring for one another. Amos rebuked them because he saw in their lifestyle evidence that Israel had forgotten about God. Despite all the doom and gloom that we find in Amos, the book concludes with words of life and hope. It almost uh, seems sort of stunning, a change of the, um, the, the, the wording of the book. We know that the northern nation of Israel never returned as it was. Even the southern nation of Judah, which will be largely destroyed and taken into its exile, will not return to its former glory. The picture of hope that we find here is not one of restoring a nation to its political dominance. The picture we have here is the restoration of God's covenant with his people. Despite their continual and habitual 
unfaithfulness, God does not leave them to rot and decay forever. Instead, God takes them again as seed and replants them so that he may provide again for their needs. We see the last words in this chapter are words of life and words of hope. The last words of life because God is always working to move us from death to life. Even when we seem bent on our own destruction, even after we've achieved our own destruction, even if we make the effort to change, if we make the effort to change, it will get better. The last word is hope, because no matter how far we've gone, no matter how far we are, no matter how much we have suffered, no matter how much we have been destroyed, God he remains ready to replant us so that we may grow again. It will, it will get better. The words of life and hope that Amos speaks, they don't spare us from the consequences of our own continued unfaithfulness. Judgment and consequences are oftentimes tools to realign us, to set us straight or on a new path. Look, we have a loving, caring God and a merciful God. And many of us know him as a God of second, third, and fourth chances. But he wants to, he wants to bless us. And not only us, but everyone. I think when we think of disciplining a child, it helps us understand and illustrates what God is doing. Those of us who are parents, caretakers, aunties, or uncles understand that often we must meet the disobedience of our children with consequences of some kind. That may take the shape of punishment that we hand out to them, taking away the keys to the car or some other privilege that they have. Sometimes if they're young children, just making them sit still for a while. Sit still for a while so that your thoughts, that so that I can redirect you and begin to send you in the right direction. Or it may take the shape of having to deal with the natural consequences of an action. I think sometimes we call that tough love. I can't speak for all, but I speak for many when I say our motivation as parents is out of love and wanting our children to realize that their mistakes and the results of certain actions and decisions make the necessary changes and then move on to enjoy a full, happy, and healthy life. We want them to experience the fullness of restoration once the punishment has run its course. The kind of picture of life and hope that we find at the end of Amos can only happen for those who have moved through disobedience, to punishment, and sometimes even destruction. God's move is always towards restoration. God provides for us, and he gives us vision for a better future. It is always in his loving heart to restore us. But no one can escape God's judgment, and the book of Amos definitely makes that clear. Oftentimes we are all for God's judgment when it doesn't pertain to ourselves. So I came to you today to say, God provides the 
able to do what needs to be done, to see the plans and visions he has for us, our families, and our world to come to fruition. It will get better. It will get better. We just have to do our part. We have to make the necessary changes and trust that God is always with us. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Amen. What a word. Thank God for Jesus. And we thank God for the word today. Things will get better. Amen. We Amen. thank Reverend McGee so much. And uh, we know that you have been blessed by that word. Um, so at this time, we're going to ask Reverend McGee if she would kindly uh, reach out for um, discipleship. She will call for discipleship. Amen. Amen. Things will get better. Things will get better. You may be going through a difficult time now. And, you know, so many times it's the, the, the consequences of our own actions. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's things that other people have done or things that are going on in the world and we have to deal with it. But again, we serve a loving, a faithful, and a kind God who gives us another chance, another chance to get it right. So maybe there's something you heard in the message today. Maybe you, you need that second chance. Maybe you're listening, you're going through a, a, a time of adjustment, a time of realignment. God is trying to move you on, put you on another path. Accept him into your life. I urge you today to accept him, accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Let God, he has the power, he's well able to take care of you, to provide all your needs. All you have to do is your part. And the first step is just accepting him, accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So if you've, you've done that today, if you feel the, the, the Holy Spirit, if you feel God, the urge of the Lord speaking to you, today is the day to accept him and accept his new, his mercy, his new mercy, his, his grace, never-ending grace and mercy. And let us know about it so that we can continue to pray for you, we can support you in your decision. You can reach the church at the numbers uh, that are provided on the uh, website. Reach out to us and let us know that you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. And we pray for you. We pray for you. And we want to be there to uplift you and support you. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Everything was so wonderful. We 